Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here is a message from our lead pastor, Kurt Jenkins. We pray this message speaks to you. All right, so we've been talking about developing uh, this hidden lifestyle, this secret life that's going to result in deep roots, a strong foundation, and a well that is overflowing with living water. Uh, I, I have loved the feedback uh, that we've received these first two weeks after the messages because it's not people coming up and saying, that was really good worship, that was a really good message. It was the Lord spoke to me today. The Lord did something in my life, and that trumps everything. It's not about a good message. It's not about a rocking song that we like a lot. It's about the Holy Spirit moving in our life. One of our, one of our values is transformation. So we want to put a demand on that. We want to say, God, we absolutely need you to come and do something in our life so in order for us to actually be transformed, to not use that word in a flippant way. So God just comes and transforms our lives. No, for over a course of time, over a, a, as part of a process in our life that we can actually say, I am being transformed by Jesus Christ. I'm being transformed by what the Holy Spirit is doing. And I believe the, the best time for that to happen is your quiet time with the Lord. Your secret place where nobody else is looking. So that first week, we talked about uh, how Jesus uh, was, uh, was commending uh, the churches, the different churches in Revelation. But he said the one thing that he held against the church in Ephesus was that they forgot their first love. We were just drawing back to the simplicity of loving God again. <clears throat> Not overcomplicating all of this. It's not about all the programs and the ministries and everything that we try to even promote. It's the simplicity of loving God once again, sitting in his presence, talking to him and letting him talk to us. That second week, we uh, camped out in Psalm chapter one, just those first few verses about how our lives can be and should be as we meditate on his word, as we focus on him, how we are, <clears throat> like trees planted by the riverbank. There were two significant things about that tree uh, that stood out to me uh, and hopefully to you last week is that the leaves never withered and that every season it produced fruit. And the ending phrase of that was that they would prosper, that we would prosper in all that we do. But it was not just because our fruit was always being produced. It wasn't just because the leaves uh, were never uh, withering or dying. It was because the root system was planted by the riverbank where all the nourishment and all the minerals and all the water, the living water, Jesus Christ could continue uh, to feed into us. <clears throat> we talked about biblical meditation of how that's not an emptying of your mind and just, just letting happy thoughts come in, but it's a filling of your mind with the word of God, the voice of God. It's the, it's the regurgitating of the things of God in your life until they become so real to you that it does actually change your heart. And you can actually say, I'm being transformed by the Holy Spirit. I want to talk about something today that will probably cause some tension in the room, might cause some tension even in your life, but I want to talk about finding strength in weakness. There is a high expectation, especially in America and especially on men, to be strong, to be able to take whatever comes our way, right, to stand bold, to be tough, Straighten your shoulders and just make it work. Don't be phased by problems. Don't be distracted by confusion. Don't be sidetracked by fears. 
So we stand up and we say, live the victorious life, live the abundant life, live the fruitful life. Those things are all true. Things are all true. There's only one problem. So being strong, being tough, and being diligent isn't what brings us the faithful and victorious life, especially when it's done in our own strength. Because some of you are like, what, what do you mean by that? I think that we've believed a lie. I think sometimes we minister the wrong way to each other and we say, read your Bible more, pray more, fast more, press in. Something eventually has to happen. We face people that have been addicted maybe to pornography for years or maybe have had chronic illness for decades. We don't know what else to say. So then we say, read your Bible more. You probably just have to grow. Memorize more scripture. Just read more, pray more. Did you ever fast? And we almost turn these, these Christian disciplines into coins in a slot machine. So if you just keep doing all this stuff that seems right, eventually you're gonna pull down and something's gonna happen. It seems to be true because those things do work. They're all throughout the word, interaction with God, praying, fasting. But in the end, I do believe that people have left churches. People have even left the Lord hurt. They feel rejected. They feel like, and I've heard the statement over and over again, I've tried everything I know to do and it just didn't work out. So if the people in my life keep saying, be tough, fight through it, be bold, do all of these things and it's absolutely gonna work out, see, because it worked for me. And then when it doesn't work for them, they don't know where else to turn. So they say, this doesn't work. It's just not working for me. What I actually feel like works is this, is learning the lost art of being honest and vulnerable with the Lord. Being completely transparent and willing to tell him your deepest pain that actually pains you to share out loud. To actually verbalize it would bring many of you to tears because you're facing things and you just don't want to admit it sometimes. So what we do is this, because there's this standard in society to stay strong, and you know what? We are supposed to be strong and bold and victorious in the public realm. In the public realm. But what happens is this standard is set so high to be tough and be strong and shoulders straight that when we go into our private time with the Lord, we suck back our tears and we stay strong for the Lord, all the while knowing we're not being completely honest with him. And what I've realized in my own life is at times in my own prayer time, I'm trying to impress God. Strength doesn't come by trying to impress God. Strength comes by being impressed with God. And sometimes it actually takes being completely honest, completely vulnerable, completely weak before the Lord to realize just how strong he is. So I'm done. I'm done trying to impress him. Nothing really bad's going on in my life right now. I'm just still done trying to impress him. I'm done trying to be, you know, some macho man in front of him. If there's one place in all of this world that we should be able to be completely honest and share our deepest fears and our deepest struggles, it's in the lap of the king. Like we would teach our kids, 
you know, to, to act certain ways in public and to present themselves certain ways in public. But if there's one place I would want them to be able to cry their face off or talk about what they're afraid of or talk about who might not be being nice to them, any of those things, it would be in my lap or in Cerise, right next to Cerise. So if we actually believe that the king of all of the universe is also our father and is also our daddy, then we should be able to come to him quite weak and know that we're gonna find strength from that. I wanna look at two portions of scripture today uh, from Psalms and then from 2 Corinthians. But I wanna just read to you, these verses aren't gonna be in there. You can turn to Psalm 61, but I wanna actually read to you from Psalm chapter 69. If you follow David's life at all, and you'll understand he did not have it easy. He didn't have like this victorious king uh, entrance and preparation time and everybody was, you know, he was famous and all this stuff. He actually had the current king trying to kill him as he was being prepared to be the king. His name was Saul. Then once he became king, he had his enemies trying to kill him and eventually his, the people from within his own ranks and his own child coming after him. But in the public, he was strong. He was able to stand up to Goliath. He was able to thrash other nations and be an extremely victorious king. But just listen to his private time with the Lord. I'm not even gonna teach us. I just want you to get a picture of how David operated in front of the Lord. So this is coming from Psalm 69. It says, save me, O God, for the floodwaters are up to my neck Deeper and deeper, I sink into the mire. I can't find a foothold. I am in deep water and the floods overwhelm me. And some of you might think, well, that, that, that's, that's not faith. This isn't faith. God's built us up. God's given us the strength and boldness. No, this is called honesty. It's called being truthful for where he was right now. He says, I'm exhausted from crying for help. So instead of us talking to other people about how God has failed us and for us hiding frustration and bitterness in our lives, what if we actually just went to him when we didn't feel like we were having any breakthrough and say, God, I'm exhausted from crying for help. My throat is actually parched. This is what David's saying. I heard it once said is when you, when you, if you want to need to connect with the father more, get into the Psalms and keep reading until you find your own voice in one of the Psalms. So he says, my eyes are swollen with weeping. No, men don't cry. Try it sometime. Get before the Lord and think about how amazing he is. Think about the struggles that you're going through and areas that you want to, well, I'm not struggling with anything because I'm victorious, fine. Think about areas that you want to grow in then and think about how massive and beautiful he is and how loving he is. Just try crying your face off before the Lord. It's cleansing. And I'm not a crier, but it's cleansing. <laughs> Those who hate me without cause outnumber the hairs on my head. My enemies try to destroy me with lies. Have you ever been lied to? demanding that I give back what I didn't steal. Down in verse nine, it says, passion for your house has consumed me and the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. Have you ever been insulted for your love for the Lord? Find your voice in the Psalms. When I weep and fast, they scoff at me. Have you ever been scoffed at for doing something for the Lord? When I dress in burlap, you probably would be made fun of if you dress in burlap. 
When I dress in burlap to show sorrow, they make fun of me. I am the favorite topic of town gossip, and all the drunks sing about me. He's being honest of where he is. So then he says, but I keep praying to the Lord, hoping this time you will show me favor. In your unfailing love, O God, answer my prayer with your sure salvation. Rescue me from the mud. Don't let me sink any deeper. Save me from those who hate me and pull me from these deep waters. Verse 16 says, answer my prayers, O Lord, for your unfailing love is wonderful. Take care of me, for your mercy is so plentiful. You see how he's starting to shift now. It's not just the complaining of where he is. It's not just the brutal honesty of where he is, but he's saying your unfaithful or your unfailing love is wonderful. Your mercy is plentiful. He says, don't hide from your servant. Answer me quickly, for I am in deep trouble. Come and redeem me. Free me from my enemies. He's realizing something here, that he is in deep trouble and he's not getting the help that he needs. So instead of getting angry at God and walking away from God, he's being honest with the Lord. He's being vulnerable before the Lord. And he's saying, you're all that I have. So I'm gonna keep coming to you every time, believing that this is the time you're gonna show me favor. You see, he's actually strengthening himself in the Lord as he prays. When I'm saying go to the Lord in weakness and be honest and vulnerable with him, I'm not saying come out that way. Like, oh my goodness, my life is a wreck right now. Right, you come out like depressed from your prayer time. That's not how that works. Right, that would be like a kid coming and sitting on a parent and telling them what they're afraid of or that they scraped their knee and they're hurting and then when they left, they're worse off than when they came. That's not how that happens. The parent hugs them, rubs their head, prays for them, puts a Band-Aid on, does something that increases hope. Way down in 29, he says, I'm suffering in... I'm suffering and in pain. Rescue me, O God, from your saving power. Then I will praise God's name with singing and I will honor him with thanksgiving for this will please the Lord more than sacrificing cattle and presenting a bull with its horns and hooves. Look what's happening here. David is saying, my praise to him, my thanksgiving to him, my interaction with him is more important to the Lord than all of the religious activity that God put in place. Does that make sense? He's saying this interaction, this love relationship with the Father is more important than all of the Christian activity I could ever do. And that includes brutal honesty with yourself before the Lord. He says here, the humble will see their God at work and be glad. Let all who seek God's help be encouraged for the Lord hears the cries of the needy he does not despise his imprisoned people. So sometimes we have to actually be honest that we're in need and he'll hear us and he'll help us and he'll rescue us. You all right so far? I wanna read a few verses out of Psalm 61 and then teach from these and then go into 2 Corinthians chapter 12 in a little bit. So I wanted to read this because this, really this really gives you an insight into, into David's life. And you'll, you'll read this in a, a large portion of the Psalms, how he's being completely honest and vulnerable before the Lord. And then you'll see this progression. But no matter what, I will praise his name. You are the strong tower and so on. So in Psalm 61, verse one, <clears throat> I wanted to give you the background of something, of, of looking at it and then seeing what, what he's actually explaining to the Lord. 
He says, oh God, listen to my, listen to my cry, hear my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I cry to you for help when my heart is overwhelmed. And do you see how Psalm 69 is a perfect example of that? So he's saying, listen to my cry, hear my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I cry for you. I cry to you for help when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the towering rock of safety. Some of your translations say the rock that is higher than I. For you are my safe refuge, a fortress where my enemies cannot reach me. Let me live forever in your sanctuary, safe beneath the shelter of your wings. So there are situations going on. It might be your own lifestyle. It might be something that you're choosing to do that has caught you up in sin. There might be a life circumstance that's occurring to you. You couldn't, you know, you couldn't uh, uh, dictate it. It is how life has happened to you, or it could be a person creating tension, maybe betraying, lying, gossiping, whatever it is. There are seasons of life where the tension is going to mount, where those feelings of being overwhelmed are going to mount. My encouragement to you is to consider strongly in your heart, when is the last time you cried out to God this way? Like when have, when's the last time you just let your prayer life get a little bit messy if you don't show up to talk to your spouse or your kids or a good friend with an agenda and saying, we're gonna do things this way, then please don't approach God that way. I have my journal and I have my prayer list and I get to those things, but it's okay to be much more relational than just that. When you hear about cry out, and we, we, we picture David to be a very passionate, demonstrative worshiper. I'm not saying you have to be like that. You can cry out with very, very small whispers. But when's the last time you've actually admitted to him, man, I am really overwhelmed right now. I feel like the world's caving in on me. I just can't get past this whatever. So we have to get real and we have to talk about these things and we have to be willing to talk to the Lord about these things. If statistics are right in a room this size and there are people struggling with cancer in this room, with tumors that they don't know what it is, with chronic illness, and with disease. If statistics are right in a room this size, there are people struggling with pornography, with addiction to alcohol and drugs, with adultery, and other situations. If statistics are right in a room this size, there are those of you who recently lost their job, who don't know how you're gonna pay your next bill, who have been completely alienated from your family. So when is it going to be okay to not be okay? It's the expectation of you're coming through the foyer. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm doing wonderful. If you haven't shared all the junk that's going on in your life in private with the Lord, you're not doing wonderful. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have confidence in life. I'm saying we need to learn how to show our weaknesses to the Father in private so we can show up at church and our smile can be authentic. And we can say, you know what? I'm going through a really rough time. I appreciate you asking. You can have people partner with you in prayer. You could talk to people about things. Just go to the Father first. 
because we get so caught up in talking to so many other people about our problems and researching so many things on Google, and then we think we know what truth is based on somebody else's opinion and the internet. Instead of going to the Father and saying, this thing in my life is out of place, I want to spend enough time with you until we can figure it out. You see, I'm not asking you to detach from people. This will actually help you help other people. I'm saying we have, we have to learn. We have to learn. We have to learn what it looks like to just be weak in front of the Lord. We have to be okay with not being okay. D David says here, from the ends of the earth, I cry to you for help when my heart is overwhelmed. I mean, he's saying this is like really, really big. I was laying, laying on my bed the other night. And I'm thinking, wow, from one side of my pillow to the other, I'm not, I'm not willing to admit what's bothering me at times to the Lord. Like we're laying in bed, lights are off. There's nothing else to think about. No one else to talk to. Are you going to be completely honest with the Lord at that moment? Are we gonna roll over to the other side of our pillow and say, you know what? I'm just gonna fight through it the next day. I'm gonna stay strong. Not, not realizing your strength is only gonna come from being honest with him. So listen, this is what we have to admit, that sometimes our current approach to prayer and sometimes our current approach to worship and sometimes our current approach to Bible reading just isn't cutting it, right? Well, I have talked to people who are, who are struggling through things and they'll say, they'll say these things. They'll say, I'm praying every day. I'm praying in tongues. I'm praying, you know, scripture out. I'm declaring all the truths that I know. It's not working. It's not coming through. And it just clicked so one, one time, I mean, several years ago, but it, it clicked. It's like, we're trying all these things while hiding some of the most, most, most painful things in our heart. It's like, wait a minute, have you considered this? Have you considered stop this pattern that you're doing right now and just sit with the Lord and be real? Like, okay, God, I know that these scriptures, I know these scriptures, I know them in my mind. They're just not connecting with my heart right now. So I need to share some things that I've been hiding from you. Well, he already knows them. You watch. You watch and you start to share what's really on your heart with the Lord. And you watch as he comes and heals that place of pain, that place of loneliness, that place of hurt. I would, I would, put, I would put a money back guarantee on this. If you would become vulnerable before the Lord, it will thrust you into a brand new level of relationship with him, of intimacy, of knowing what his heart is for you to the point where you will be stronger than you ever have been before. It's, it's so against culture, right? That word vulnerable, I looked it up. It's not, a, it's not a great word. It doesn't have a great definition, I should say. It means weak, defenseless, helpless, exposed, open to attack. Every single one of those goes counterculture. Every single one of those is like, absolutely not. Don't be weak. Don't be defenseless. Don't be helpless. You don't open yourself up to attack. That's what culture will tell you. But in the presence of the Father, to sit there and say, I'm weak in this situation. I'm defenseless without you. I'm opening I'm open to attack if you don't come and protect me and give me strength and give me the truth and give me the promise in this specific situation. You almost put a demand on a fresh word from God when you approach him that way. Because you're, you're not going off of the, the, the 30 years of Sunday school lessons and sermons that you've heard. You're not going off of the worship song that gave you tinglys in the last season. 
You're saying, this is what's happening in my life right now. This is where I'm weak. This is where I'm defenseless. This is where I feel exposed. And then you could say, bring me to that strong tower. Bring me to that high tower. Bring me to that tower that's higher than I am. It's when we become weak that he can become our strength. It's when we become defenseless that he can become our defender. It's when we say we're exposed on all ends, God, that he can actually come in and protect us. If we're not admitting these things to the Lord and we're not being honest, Lord, then we're hiding parts of our heart from the Lord. So he respects the free will and the freedom that he's given us. So he lets us do it on our own. Do you guys understand that? I'm strong, Lord, I can handle this. Okay, I love you enough to go ahead and try that in your own strength. Instead of coming to him and just being honest with him. So how, how, how bad would it hurt to sit with the Lord and say, God, I'm scared right now. I, I'm scared. I'm losing sleep over how I'm gonna pay, you know, my car payment, whatever, I'm making stuff up. It gives me a knot in my stomach every time I think about it. And I feel like it's become an idol because I think about it more than I think about you. God, this bothers me. I don't wanna be in this situation anymore. I don't wanna face this tension anymore. And I don't know where else to go. I don't wanna get another loan out. I don't wanna go into more debt, so I need your help. Or do we talk to all of our friends about all of our problems and just let anxiety and stress and pressure build up? Think about how vulnerable maybe some of you need to be in here. Maybe there's a woman in here. Now, this is where it gets tense. What if there's a woman in here or a guy, I'll just use a, a, a woman's example, that needs to say, Father, I'm being completely honest with you right now. My feelings for another man are stronger than my feelings for my husband. And I don't know what to do about it. I feel like I'm working against my husband. I feel, I'm feeling like I don't even want it to work out because of the hopes that this might work out. Or do we stuff that stuff so far down in our heart, never being willing to admit it to the Father because you know you're stuck somewhere. So we, we move away from him instead of pressing into him. What would you actually open up your heart for God to do if you were that honest with him? Teenagers, I think every adult would attest that we all face this, to be able to sit before the Lord and say, I feel isolated right now. I feel like I don't have any friends I feel like everybody's talking about me. I feel like everybody hates me. Adults, can you affirm them that you felt this way before? Yeah. Yeah. And then it's, a, it's, a, it's one of the biggest lies that Satan has for teenagers and young kids. Because what they do, they start, they start isolating themselves because nobody likes me anyway. Oh, mom and dad probably hate me too. Now I have no friends. I have to do this on my own. So think about how vulnerable we can actually say. Instead of quoting your eight favorite healing verses that you're not even connected to anymore because you haven't experienced healing. How about in a season going to him and saying, Jesus, I'm having a really hard time believing that you actually paid for all, sin, all, all sickness right now. You might think that that's bad theology. I think it's honesty. I've been struggling with this for so many years, Father. I'm having a hard time believing that those stripes paid for my specific healing. Father, I know the verses. I can confess them and declare them right now. This is just where I'm at. This is my honest truth to you. 
So I'm calling out to you and crying out to you, make my faith fresh again. Make these verses real to me again that I would experience real healing in my body. Are you guys with me? Like, so I have to ask myself, why aren't we doing this? I think it's either pride or it's we're afraid to, that we're gonna confess the wrong thing and the devil's gonna get us for it. If it's pride, then you just don't wanna admit to yourself. You are afraid to hear what's about to come out of your mouth because you know it's real and you don't wanna face it. It could be something in your own life or it could be something coming at you. We're actually afraid to verbalize it. And that's called pride. To say, I'm gonna take the place of weakness. I'm gonna take the place of humility. I'm gonna take the place of being completely vulnerable before one person, and that's the Father. I'm gonna be completely honest with him. That takes humility. I think pride stands in our way sometimes. And the other is this. We, we taught on it even last year that life and death are found in the power of the tongue. So we wanna be careful with what we confess, right? We don't wanna walk around and confess damnation over ourselves and sickness and torment. My life's just this and I'm just trying to make it by. I get that part. But there are, I've heard this said before too, that they're not gonna confess anything negative even before the father out loud because the devil will hear it. And then he'll know what you're going through and then he can attack you. Wait a minute. You're sitting before the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. I think he would probably rather you bear your soul to him than hold it in because you're afraid of the confession. This is not the confession of your faith right now. This is the confession of your reality. Confession of your faith is going to come later in your prayer when you're saying, no matter what happens to me, I'll still praise your name. You're still gonna be my God. You're still my savior. I'm still one with you. I'm still gonna be in heaven with you forever. This just really stinks with what I'm going through right now. You see, there's a difference. We don't have to be afraid of being that honest with the Father in his presence. Because that is where we get the strength to then come and resist the enemy. Even where the scriptures say that. We're drawing near to the Father and then we're resisting the enemy. We're surrendering ourselves. We're submitting ourselves to the Father while we're resisting the enemy. Some of us are standing strong in our own power trying to resist the enemy. It's just not working. It's just not working. So he says here in verse four, let me... Live forever in your sanctuary, safe beneath the shelter of your wings. I remember being uh, really nervous in elementary school and in middle school. There were some kids that just weren't nice to me. And I learned how to be very, very honest with the Lord, like to a point where I would pray that these certain kids were not in school that day. I mean, I would go through, I would go through and just, God, I pray that this one's not here and this one's not here. Stomach ache and all, this one, this one, this one. But I was honest with him. I'm gonna be tough today, Lord. No, I was scared sometimes. You know what I wanted to do? Some of the times I wanted to crawl up in my bed and stay there and not go to school, not go to the bus stop, not do all those things, right? You want to stay there. So when David's saying here, let me live forever in your sanctuary, safe beneath the shelter of your wings, he's not saying I'm going to hide from everybody now. He's saying from the ends of the earth, I'm telling you that I'm overwhelmed. Let me live in this sanctuary. Let me live in this place. It's not a, it's not a cuddling up in the hidden place of the Lord to never face the enemies and to never face life. It's saying, this is my recharging center. This is where I'm gonna come and be honest and be weak and be vulnerable and share all these things so I can come out and completely destroy the enemies in front of me. So we can actually say that same prayer. 
I'm telling you when I'm overwhelmed. And if you're not overwhelmed, you could still be honest with them. Be, be truthful with where you are, right? And you could say, God, I want to live in this sanctuary. I want to live in this safe place, this rock, this tower that's higher than I am, this tower of safety where my enemies can't get to me. I want to live in that place in my spirit. While my body goes out and does life, I'm coming back to be recharged. Again, I can guarantee you this, this, this will bring such a freshness to your relationship with the Lord in your prayer time. I want to flip just for a few minutes and we're going to go into a time of worship and just look at a New Testament example of this. If you want to take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul had a deep spiritual encounter. Uh, we'll, we won't talk about it now. It says he's in the third heaven. He says, listen, I could go on boasting and boasting and boasting about these experiences that I've had in the Lord, but this one thing I'm going to boast about, and it's my weaknesses. Paul is like the super apostle. Paul's raising people from the dead, seeing revival wherever he goes, uh, you know, seeing uh, the cloths that he prays over and clothes, healing the sick. I mean, he is seeing amazing miracles. And he says, I could boast in all these things, but I'm gonna choose one thing to boast in, and that's my weaknesses. It says in, ver in the second half of verse seven, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. I wanna clarify one point of bad theology here that I've heard for a lot of years. A thorn in my flesh. Well, Paul healed all these people and Paul had this, this, this healing theology, but Paul actually had a thorn. He had a physical ailment. No, it was not. A messenger from Satan, if you look in the original language, it's a buffeting spirit. It's a demonic spirit working through people to bother him. In fact, if you look at verse nine, he talks about persecutions, hardships, troubles, and the like. This was not a sickness that Paul had. This was the demonic working through other people and situations to try to destroy Paul's ministry. And that kept him quite humble. There were things that were coming and crashing in on him that created a weakness, a point, a point of vulnerability that he had to take before the Lord so that he could at times be stoned for dead and get up and continue to minister. It's the only way he had strength in the public realm is that he would go and be weak before the Lord. So he says, three times I begged for the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. A lot of your translations say, my grace is sufficient, Right? My power works best in weakness, which means his power is perfected in weakness. So God's grace, it's his unmerited favor. God's saying this, listen, my grace, my unmerited favor is all that you need to have the strength that you need. You come to me in your weakness and I'm going to give you more than enough. Unmerited, unmeasured favor is being poured out on you and it's more than you need. It's all that you need. So even if life seems like it's crashing in on you, you have a disease, you have a relationship issue, there's something going on in your life, his grace is sufficient. It's all you need. When, when, when you come before him in your weakness, because it says, my power, my power, it says here, my power works best, where? In weakness. Why? Why does his power work best in our weakness? Why is his power perfected in our weakness? I believe it's because of this, because we've finally gotten out of the way. We finally come to the point to say, I don't got this. Because <laughs> what we usually say is, I got this. 
To come to a point to say, I don't have this. I'm not figuring this out. I don't know what to do. I'm overwhelmed. I'm drowning. It seems like it's up to my neck, Father. And it's through that now we've completely stepped out of the way, right? We've taken ourselves out of the equation. We've actually died to ourselves. The very thing that you said happened to you when you first gave your life to Jesus. We die, problem comes, we get out of that grave and we try fixing the problem. That's the wrong way to approach life. We're dead, problem comes, we remind God that we're dead and we can't do anything about this. And then it's in our weakness, a place of honesty, a place of transparency, where he can actually see every aspect of our heart. I heard once from another pastor, he said that he would encourage people when they were facing something that they knew was like an addiction or a bad uh, part of their lifestyle to say, Father, I'm at a point in my life where I actually sense I'm loving this one thing more than you. That sounds dangerous to say, but it's actually honesty. If your affections and your time and your money and all of your focus is on this thing, then you're actually loving, you're showing, you're demonstrating your love, which is completely wrong. So you're going to him, confessing that, prepared to repent from it, to come back to him. You can't do that on your own. Repentance is a gift from the Father. So whether it's a circumstance, whether it's another person or whether it's something in your own life, you can't fix it. Our one responsibility is to come before the Lord and let him work it out. Let his power become perfect in our weakness. He goes on in verse nine and he says, so I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. That right there is the thorn in his flesh. Weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, troubles. He says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. My encouragement to you today, we're gonna take time to enter into a time of worship. My encouragement to you is if you feel like you've just been trying to do this thing, some of you really are fighting the good fight of faith in your own strength. So I'm gonna encourage you to stop fighting the good fight of faith that you're fighting in your own strength. Become weak before the Lord. Become honest before the Lord. He's going to give you the proper strength to fight the good fight of faith in. Does this make sense? You're gonna come to him in a fresh, honest, transparent way. So I want you to stand at this time. We left, we left extra time at the end of this service for this specific purpose. You might not know Jesus even as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've actually never admitted your own weakness before the Lord. Like to say, I know that I've sinned. I know that I've sinned before you and I know that I need a Savior. I want you to be able to work that out in your heart today as we sing. There'll be some pastors and some altar workers up here after service that I want you to connect with if you've never made that confession of your faith before. If you've never said, I've admitted that I've sinned before a holy God and I need a savior, but I want you to work that out with the Lord. These altars are open for a time of worship. You can come forward if you want to. You can walk along the side if you want to. You can stay right where you are if you want to. I'm encouraging you. If there's something on your heart that you know you've been, you've been hiding from him, you just haven't been honest with him. And I, what I mean by that doesn't mean you're lying to him. It means you haven't been fully disclosing everything. I encourage you to just whisper that out of your mouth today. Nobody else has to hear you. We're not having other people pray for you right now. We're just entering into a time of presence with the Lord. Amen?
Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.